Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. My name is Harrison Gilming, Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest in Huntersville. I'm sitting down with Mike Moses, Mike lead Moses. pastor of Lake Forest Family of Churches in Lake Forest, Huntersville in particular. It's great to be with you all. I didn't tell Mike we talked about it, but we switched back to our good old our good old jam song today. Oh, I noticed. So we, I was jamming. We had some grooves going, which is, which is good because this Sunday uh, we are... Uh, talking about joy, the fruit of the right. spirit of joy, and we have a little a little special stuff happening there. Oh. Uh, and I'm I've been I've had the best week because people just keep sending me videos <laughs> themselves dancing uh, that we're going to use in service. So it's, it's going to be a really fun ending to the worship service on joy that I think will, even if you don't get joy in the Holy Spirit, I think <laughs> this moment will be enough to give you joy for at least an hour. Oh, for sure, for <laughs> sure, it's been giving me joy and. So we wanted to start off with some news, some news about what Lake Forest Church Huntersville is thinking about reopening the doors to having people join us in church on Sunday morning. So the big update is we have no idea when (laughs) live back in person worship will happen. Uh, Harrison, someone this morning asked me, I ran into a Lake Forest ministry partner. He said, hey, hey, are you thinking maybe two weeks we'll all be back live? And I said, bro, I don't think so. Um, Now, we are, Harrison, we're not not thinking about it. We are developing scenarios. We're talking with a lot of other churches, some churches in states that have opened uh, a bit earlier than us. We have a lot of scenarios in mind, and uh, the the this is actually an announcement. This will be helpful to you all to know. We'll let the church know at some point. But we did decide it shouldn't only be people with theology degrees in charge of the decision of what and when is safe mm-hmm. for children, for adults, uh, etc. And so uh, we have asked Dr. Bill Hamill, who is the chief in uh, pediatric cardiology for Novant Health, in the system, their whole system, not just one place, um, and he's one of our elders. Uh, we've asked him to be an advisor on this decision-making from a health perspective, and what's cool is Dr. Bill voluntarily uh, is is leading uh, a Novant COVID-19 testing station two days a week. Mm-hmm. He's very in touch with what's happening and is quite the expert. The other person we've asked to help us make these decisions is uh, Shannon Stein. Shannon is the longtime, I, don't, I think her title is headmaster or, or head of school of all the Lake Norman Charter schools, which, by the way, is recognized as the top school in North Carolina. Uh, Shannon is, and her husband are ministry partners here, and she's agreed to be, from an educational standpoint, from a child safety standpoint, to also be an advisor even as she and the school system are making big decisions. So thanks to Dr. Bill and to Shannon for uh, advising us. Uh, so that should give you comfort, Lake Forest friends. Yeah, we're getting there, and we're figuring it out, you know, step by step, just like everybody else is right now, it feels like. Um, but we we can't wait, whenever the day comes, to safely start getting together and have Sunday worship with all of you guys. We were We were talking in our uh, Huntersville staff meeting on Monday, and one of the questions that we were talking about is, man, what do you miss most about yeah. doing church together on in Sunday person, mornings? In-person live worship. In-person yeah. live worship, and, and pretty much the consensus was, 
to to summarize it in in one sentence is man we miss we miss all your faces <laughs> it, yeah it stinks not seeing everybody mixing and, with people yeah, yeah. so yeah. we can't wait for that to happen um, and get back together so uh, well here's here's what we wanted to do um, here's what we want to do today is we are uh, taking on a couple of questions thank you all for uh, being thought submitting thoughtful questions to the Ask LFC podcast we appreciate that we won't all, we're not able to address all of them, but uh, but we got two, in particular, very uh, detailed, um, really thoughtful write-ups. And uh, Harrison, I, I've noticed a couple of podcasts I listen to they they allow the questioners to be anonymous, just in case uh, the question is in any way self-revealing. So mm-hmm. why don't we try that out? Let's do that. Let's do that. Um, here's the first one that we got. Um, so let me let me paraphrase like you said this was a a really a really thoughtful email and was something that that clearly uh this person and and was said in the email something that this person is is doing some research of their own on because it's something that's important to them but wanted to hear uh your thoughts on this mike which is um as it relates particularly to self-control and as it relates to shame so here's the first question i'll i'll put it together like this to paraphrase um, the person who is asking it is, uh, on one hand, we have our sin. Our mm-hmm. sin causes us to feel guilt appropriately. Holy Spirit guilt of like, red flag, something's wrong here. It's one of the, Jesus said that's one of the functions of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life is to convict us of sin, leading us to repentance. That's right. So then on, on this other hand, you have a, a, a very related feeling to the way it makes you feel, which is shame Mm -hmm. that we can take on as, as an identity as rather than I am a person who failed, it's saying I am a failure. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to self-control, particularly, um, having the urge to, to do something that is sinful, how do we own the guilt part without bringing on the shame and making it our identity? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think this, if I could relate it to several people have been asking, so so what's a practical way to keep in step with the Holy Spirit? Keep We keep reading this verse. Here's the fruit of the Spirit, so keep in step with the Spirit so you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And, and one of the ways to keep in step with the Spirit is uh, to obey God, to obey God's Word, to trust that it's best and, and to do that. And some of the writers I've been reading on how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and live the fruit of the Spirit. Emphasize almost only that obedience is the way to keep in step with the Spirit. And I experience that in, in periods of my life when I'm living a particularly holy life in my behavior and my thoughts. I do, I think, experience a union with this union with the Spirit in a special way. But but similarly, I think a more commonly available way to keep in step with the Spirit is uh, is when I fail to exercise self-control, which is the question here, um, to actually, um, yep, uh, confess that, r- repent of it, but then to not only receive forgiveness, but it's another step. There's another step after for- forgiveness can still, uh, if I stop there, 
I, I think we still can leave a lot of room for temptation to shame. And the evil one just wants to write, color us shame all over. Um, not just you did bad, but you are bad. Hmm. Um, and so the next little level that is to makes all the difference in my life and my joy in the Spirit, even after I failed in an issue of self-control, whether it's sin or something that's not sin, like eating an extra helping of nachos, I don't, that's not sin. Um, I mean, there are instances in which I guess it could be, but um, that, you know, and, and I think with some of my trite examples of overeating, uh, of snacking during the pandemic and my sermon on self-control, I may have encouraged wrong thinking that some things that are bad for us, they're not necessarily sin, uh, but they are a matter of self-control to be our best self. So, to not only recognize, oh, that, you know, it, let's take an issue of sin, ask for forgiveness, but then to go to glory in my identity in Christ, to know who I am in Christ, to know that, okay, yeah, I, I did a bad thing, I repent and I'm forgiven, and I am just what God says his opinion of Jesus is, his identity, at his baptism and at the uh, Mount of Transfiguration. The voice of God is heard both times saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And for any Christian who's put their faith in Christ, who's been adopted into the family of God, been forever changed, uh, the righteousness of Christ is exchanged for our sin in that moment. And we become, the Corinthians says, we become his righteousness. We still sin sometimes. And, to, and because of that, that's why God says the same thing about you and me as he does about Jesus. Even in the moment in which we're failing to exercise self-control, even in the moment in which we, have, we sin, even before we've asked for forgiveness again, he goes, oh, that's my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. I delight in her. I, in the words of Zephaniah, I sing love over that of my daughter, that my son. I cherish, I adore. Um, it's hard for us to embrace that identity. When I say identity in Christ, I throw this into sermons now and then, and I don't teach on it in an extended manner enough. Um, because when a, when a man or a woman is armed with a full recognition and ownership of their uh, true identity in Christ, I am his right, in God's eyes, I am Christ's righteousness. I'm slimed. God sees me through the, I'm slimed. The grace of God at salvation slimes me. It covers me in the righteousness mm. of Christ. Uh, I st and so I'm not, and you're not, listeners, you're not a, a sinner who sometimes manages to get your self-control act together and acts like a saint. You are a saint who sometimes sins. And so in the moment of a lack of self failure of self-control, in the moment after sin, if you take the extra step after receiving forgiveness 
because that's truth, and then go to the truth of who you are in Christ. That is the pathway to a quickly renewed, not just a joy, but a keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Because what did you, another of the Holy Spirit's job description, Jesus said, is to lead you into all truth. And it's the truth of what he has said. And he's spoken how loved you are, how cherished you are. God knows who you are, that, that you're going to fall down. And you're so deeply cherished. So if you can ex- accept your own, is this a word, in cherishment? Sure. <laughs> we'll, God. We'll, we'll allow it. <laughs> I've got to accept myself that way. Hmm. And if I accept myself that way, then I actually can love others as myself because I'm loving myself properly, the, the way that God loves me. And, and, and maybe we can come back and talk about the word shame a little bit more. And that yeah. is the antidote to either my flesh or the evil one's whisperings to color me with shame. So part of... Um Part of what makes that that difficult is because there's there's a couple of these a couple of these things that we deal with that we can uh, to use the word tempted I guess we can almost be tempted into um, it's our own willpower or action right there may not be one more of the fruits of the spirit particularly than self control where mm-hmm. it's it, it can be really easy to kind of cross that center highway line into going like well. You just gotta try. You just gotta try harder. So right. when you when you frame it that way, even in your mind, then when you fail, it's because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. didn't try hard enough or you mm-hmm. weren't good enough. So uh, the the second half of our our question from our first uh, question asker is this: um, Why do you think, particularly in some religious or church subcultures, that we see um, we see shame and self-control so intimately connected. Why is it like, oh, someone doesn't have self-control. Oh, man, we're going to pour shame on that person. <laughs> you know? And they may feel more shame because they're in a religious environment. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that the import of the question? Yes. Um, I think that's a, a great question. It caused me to reflect. Um, I pulled, uh, uh, and first of all, the best answer possible would be to read the entire book by Brennan Manning called a glimpse of Jesus. Here's the subtitle: "The Stranger to Self-Hatred." Mm. And Brennan explores exhaustively the relationship of safe self-hatred, true guilt, false guilt, and shame. And then he just takes a glorious walk around. Look at Jesus, the stranger to self-hatred, and who frees us from self-hatred. So, so I highly recommend that book. That's Brennan Manning, "A Glimpse of Jesus." The stranger to self hatred, and and to the 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 question specifically, man Brennan Manning, he identifies that uh, in many Christian circles there is a and here quote compulsive and constant moralistic self evaluation culture, and so if the fo- uh, uh, who uh, who is it um, Dallas Willard has said. Most of us are tempted to and may even have grown up in a sin-focused Christianity. Like The focus is on sin. My sin, what sin not to do, did you sin, who's sinning, who's not. 
who's better at not sinning. That's a sin-focused golf. golf uh, and when I read that in Dallas Willard's book, A Divine Conspiracy, I, that, it was like scales fell off my eyes. Hmm. That's what that is. And so I think the, the, the writer of the question here is putting their finger on it. Um, oh, my gosh. It is one of the ways in which maybe there are ways in which Lake Forest looks like one of many other types of churches who do the kind of stuff we do. But man, when you get up underneath the hood and you're part of this community, oh, I, every now and then somebody will come in who's been in a sin-focused Christian environment, and they sprout like a, a, a like miracle grows been put on them in mm-hmm. an environment of grace that teaches your identity in Christ. Um, so, so, so I think one, it's because yes, in many of our Christian circles, and it's not some just somebody's fault. Our old flesh, our old man in the New Testament tends this way. And then the evil one would like to, to, to encourage any tendency toward compulsive and constant moralistic self-evaluation. Now, um, what he, he calls it spiritual perfectionism, Brennan does. And, uh, and just to briefly maybe answer a little bit more on this, um, here's here's how Manning describes the the how this when this is appropriate and when it's not. Yes, when we've sinned, it's appropriate to go, man. That that stinks. We should grieve our sin a little bit. That's healthy guilt. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a, such a thing as healthy shame. Probably a little bit. Just a little bit of man. Heavenly Father, you're so good to me. I'm. I'm a bit ashamed to confess this to you. It's just a tad of it is healthy. But then, so then Brendan, he, he, he later, he describes all about that, but he later describes um, that this is a battle that you can win. He says, when a Christian wakes up and accepts the call of God, what Paul says in Philippians, the upward call of God in Christ. Like, I want, I want, <laughs> Harrison, I want to live my whole life on the upward call of God. God in Christ. I want to experience greater heights of of love, uh, the love of God in me, greater heights of loving others skillfully and living on mission and of personal holiness. And Brennan says, when a Christian embraces that call and then experiences sometime after some failure in that direction, he says that's that's when the battle to put away shame needs to be won, and you can win it increasingly, it, and that's when the Christian has to say that live with this duality. To try is the good thing, um, and failure in trying, let's say a lack of self control or a sin of some kind, is is not great, but you were. Tr- you were following God's upward call in Christ. And to accept um, the way this came personal to me was to accept that I have a shadow side and a light side that I will have all my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and God, back to our identity in Christ. And yet, I have embraced the fact, and, and Harrison, one of the reasons I live frequently as a joyful person, I'm really in touch with not perfectly 
God cherishes me even, even when I am the prodigal son with my head face down in the slop. Mm-hmm. In that moment, I'm his cherished, beloved son in whom he is well-pleased because of Christ in me. It doesn't mean that I wink at sin in my life, but it means that I re- eject shame uh, or a constant sense of failure when I do f- fail, and I just say, okay, Lord, I'm back on the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. That's that's a bit of an outline of how yeah. Brennan comes at it, except he always, I'm, you can hear I'm trying to do this because I just reviewed Brennan. Like every page, he writes a new, moving, you want to stand up and shout description of God's majestic love mm. for you personally, listener. And that's why I'd love for you to read that book. It's really funny that you brought up the prodigal son uh, parable, Mike, because I was just about to. So... Uh, I'm just going to say we're getting we're getting our, our quarantine brain sink happening here because I was literally about to go there. I, wow. I was going to say one of the things that I love about um, so much of the teachings of Jesus being in parables is that it he was he, he gives us more room to have to really wrestle with and think about a thing than just saying. Yeah, it's not like he gave us the new the new hundred commandments. Here's the things you have to do. If you check all these boxes, then you're good. Uh, So he did say, you know, something like uh, in, in the sermon on the Mount, judge not lest you be judged, but it makes so much more sense to us. I love the prodigal son story because it could have been like so neat and tidy with Mm -hmm. a bow on top. If there was no older son, Hmm. like, that's just a great story. He left, yeah. he came back. The father says, this is awesome. We had a big party, the end, but, uh, which is, which is already awesome. But what's, what's even neater is that it, it doesn't end there. No. And there's this older brother and that, that to me illustrates a huge part of the problem of this question, which is when we are on that upward traje- trajectory, which probably really looks more like a, a stock over 10 years. Maybe it started yeah. here and then up, down, a little up, down, whoop, way down, way up here. We've ended up. That if, might be the ideal Christian yeah, life. Yeah. If we're walking with God, we've ended up in a better place than we were. Um, but there's definitely highs and lows. So you have this older brother and you have the religious people at any given church. We all can fall into this, but I, maybe part of why it is attached to religious folks is that, uh, because we are trying, that older brother sitting over here like, man, I am busting my butt to do the right thing. And then this this little bro comes over here and he's screwing around and he gets the same gifts that I he's get. lavished with the father's love. <laughs> yeah, like this is not fair. So it's 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 really easy at times to to be the older brother also. And that's that's a. Mm-hmm. That's a self-control piece that we have to hit as well in ourselves. And I think, I think accepting ourselves and loving ourselves the way God does. We, we, in Jesus' parable, we're all uh, our, our sh- we're all the prodigal son. We know that, and most people embrace that. We, we fall, uh, and we will again. And we're all the older brother at times, if we are on this upward call, the older brother before he got bitter and ugly mm-hmm. and resentful. Yep. But the older brother who stayed at home, did the work, served his father, uh, uh, provisioned in his fa- for his father's house. We, we have our, 
our shadow and our light side. I will never forget Harrison. Um, I went through a period of, um, I've been open about this. Uh, I don't like to talk about it all the time. I went through a period, however, of developing a sinful relationship with alcohol some years back. And uh, that, that came to light, and I dealt with it in some various ways. Uh, and after a period of a year of dealing with the aftermath of this, and, and really, that was me? While I'm Pastor Mike? <laughs> um, uh, uh, and went through a year of some healing and such. And about a year out of in dealing with this, I was on a spiritual retreat at a place called a little Catholic a cottage uh, at a Catholic nunnery, whatever you call those, Abbey, uh, in uh, Glendalough, Ireland. It's these sacred ancient ruins in a, m- a real wild mountainous hmm. area of, Scot- of Southern Ireland. Uh, sp- special place for me for various reasons. And after three days of directed prayer, I will never forget being at the, s- the, the upper lake and doing praying a prayer that I was led to pray. Uh, and I picked up two rocks on that beach, and I threw one rock into the lake and said, that's, that's my self who has been living stilted because of shame, like a dog that's been hurt before and who winces, you know, whenever you mm-hmm. come near him. I've been living a wincing uh, uh, over, over shame and what I, uh, what I had done, and, um, and I, I threw that in the lake and left it there. And I put the other rock in my pocket, and I have it at my house. Um, that is, uh, Lord, you accept me with my shadow and my light side. Was the way that the the um, nuns were praying it there, hmm. and therefore I do. I will. I will live chest out, eyes upturned, uh, glorying in your reckless love for me. Hmm. Um, and I will live out of that identity, and I, and I will not live a stilted life just because I actually have a shadow side. Hmm. I, I will love my whole self as you do, Lord, and that will allow me to move on on the upward call and invite my friends to do so. That's a good, uh, a good transition then into our, our second um question asker okay. who sent us another very thoughtful email and 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 um these questions are are related in a way to some of what we've been talking about but have a little bit of a different tangent to it where okay. some of this was more directly about self-control we want to take a step uh back and and kind of look at what we've been doing with this series as a whole and just talking about the spirit and his work in our lives in general so here's the question uh We've discussed how we all have weaknesses and temptations that are different for each of us. We all have different struggles. And how the key to fighting that is the Holy Spirit's strength and not our own. Well, that sounds wonderful. But, like Romans 7 describes, it's not always that easy. So, very crazy practically. If we're having a battle in the flesh moment and praying is not doing the trick. Saying, Holy Spirit, fill me. Nothing, <laughs> not working. Okay. Okay. Uh, what else can we do? Because we we want we want to do the right thing, but we we do have this constant battle with uh, what our flesh wants to do and the work that the spirit is doing in us. So let's get get practical with our question asker here. What do you do in that moment? 
I th- first of all, super practical, um, and I'm going to assume, is the questioner focusing on trying to access the Holy Spirit or in order to uh, yeah. how do you, be obedient to God in a how, way and how not can fall you, into sin? How can, you, how can you fill up on the Holy Spirit and His strength to fight okay. in those moments? Okay. Yeah. Um, I think number one, I, I think one thing, and this will relate back to our, uh, when I talked about uh, what we learn in, in psychological studies on self-control and lack of it, that it's those who develop us, who use strategies for self-control that end up instead of staring at the thing. If you remember the sermon, I won't go back through it. And so, one strategy. So this is just practical. Yeah, is just leave wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and instead of sitting there fighting with it, oh my gosh, I'm gonna fight this. Just um, leave. Yeah, go like. Uh, leave the office for a 15-minute walk if it's there. You know, if it's, you know, get up and take a walk. Um, change the environment uh, that you're in. So I, th- I think that's a super physical thing that is as practical as it gets. There's nothing crazy biblical about that. Um, with the story of, of Joseph leaving the temptation to commit adultery is very famous. He just ran out of the room so fast he didn't yep. even bring his clothes with him. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one thought. Um, do you think that's a sort of practical oh, oriented? Yeah, comparison? sure. Yeah, sure. I think um, I think another one that popped immediately to brain uh, to my brain that we talk about also a lot that's that's super practical is um, bringing other people mm-hmm. in honestly mm-hmm. into your places of temptation with you. That is a that is that is a something that that the writers of the new Testament have been really clear with us on like, Hey, walk with people like in an honest way to where you can say there, that's a, that's a, a addiction thing. You, you, you have someone that you can be super honest with that in that moment where you are like, your hand is on the drink that you can pick up your phone and call them. And, and we, we're big on that here of helping to create those kind of relationships and I think to the questioner's point, it, it, it the the battle may be lost in that moment, uh, and that will happen sometimes. But by doing what you're saying, which is super practical, getting an ally, this it, this cannot be a solo sport. It just can't. We have to have a friend who's a peer mentor or discipler, or a mentor mentor discipler. And so, even after maybe losing one battle. But identifying it as a battlefield now and then talking it out with a friend, having the practicality of them praying for you if they commit to that, mm-hmm. talking over, again, to use our language from that sermon, strategies for this part of my life, it, the Bible promises it has transformative power to do that with another person. And so, uh, again, not maybe to, to change me overnight to a perfect person, mm-hmm. <laughs> but over time— that will make us resilient because of their prayer, their counsel, my own better knowledge of myself because I've been self-examining with a wise, trusted other. And there's no, and there's no shame. There's no shame to use the word we've been talking about earlier. There's, there's, if you have people around you that you can trust, there, um, 
just having relationships with some of the men here at Lake Forest, mm-hmm. I can speak to that experience. When you find those right people, they will, you will never be looked at with shame. It is, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's tough for us as guys, particularly sometimes, cause it can feel like weakness to admit your weakness, yeah. Yeah. but there, there is a, there's nothing but respect from dudes yeah. you find when you do that. Cause it takes, it takes guts <laughs> to bring people in on your stuff. Harrison, you know, the most, uh, the most encouraged, I had a, an encouraging moment right as I was leaving the office yesterday evening. Um, I, I left, uh, nobody else was left in the building, but I noticed there were still a couple of guys out onto the pergola sitting distanced and they were all geared up in like, you know, the type of stuff guys, people wear when they're bike people, you know, going for long bike rides or whatever. And they had a helmet and sunglasses on. I was like, oh, look, there's a couple of Defined Coffee customers. They've been hanging around a while. So I walk out to my car, and the two guys bike up to me in the parking lot. And it's two Lake Forest dudes who I just didn't recognize them with all their gear on. And they're doodly dudes. I'm like, hey, what are you two guys doing both up here biking together? And they're different guys. I didn't know they knew each other. And um, they were like, you know, we got to know each other. Uh, they didn't say how. Uh, one of them's a little older, one of them's a little younger. We got to know each other, and we just decided we needed to get together and talk about man stuff and following Christ stuff to support each other once a week, and this is where we do it. Yeah. It's like, what? Like, I know that that happens all over, but when I actually get to see it, that's just two guys um, doing exactly this for one another, what what we're talking about, and that has transformative power. I I can give example after example in my own life. Because those— because that meeting in those conversations that is that is some of the spirit's tools and methods that mm-hmm. he uses it's not all just like this like magical dust that falls over mm-hmm. us to where like i want to do the right thing this is awesome <laughs> wow yeah yeah i think to our questioner's point and i think they're maybe sort of making that point too yeah praying to the spirit oh spirit help me now help me now help me now is not a magical it's not the same as waving a magical wand because this is a relationship. It's not magic. Um, so I think that's a really good point, Harrison. So our, our questioner probably was like, is probably going, you know those two things y'all said? Duh, I knew that already. Um, and that's the way it's a lot of spiritual life is, but I would like to offer one more. Th- and I, uh, we're not claiming to be comprehensive in answering any of these questions. Um, in any way, I, I feel like a midget, uh, uh, among giants when I talk about these things. Sure. So if I sound more confident and knowledgeable than I am, it's just cause I get fired up about my friends who really want to follow Jesus and know the spirit better. So, so can I give the one maybe unexpected sure. answer? Sure. And I'm going to circle back cause I think it a hundred percent relates to the earlier question about shame. I would suggest arming yourself with uh, with a solid understanding of your identity in Christ, scripturally, coupled with a reemphasis. We never, I don't emphasize this enough. We sure don't with our in our own self. Again, I just recently reread a little Brendan Manning, so I'm going to sound Brendan Manning ish. Your ident- know your identity in Christ, count on it, recite it in those moments, rehearse again the immensity, the totality of God's love for you. 
He loves all of you. He accepts you. You'll never be more loved by him than you are right now, no matter what you do or don't do. You'll never be more acceptable and accepted by him. Every moment. You don't lose that ever. Even when we sin as a believer because of the identity of Christ within us. Then you'll never be more acceptable or accepted than you are right now. I think a tool in the toolkit for trying to walk in the Spirit, exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, and not sin is basking in the love of God hmm. because of my identity in Christ. Loving myself that keeps it, and I would say in that moment, it keeps me from being overly fearful and motivated by fear in how I'm battling because the motivation of fear is going to lead me to either lose the battle because that's a terrible motivation. It's not a legitimate spiritual motivation for change. Or it's going to cause me to win the battle the wrong way and turn into an ugly-looking Christian. It could go a lot of different ways yep. if I'm fear-based yep. obeying God. Yep. And so you take the fear off. Now, then you might say, well, if I'm not afraid, if I fall into sin in this moment in this battle, well, then I'll just start sinning like crazy. And isn't that the paradox? Isn't that the line we're walking that Paul walks also in, you know, one of our questioners referenced Romans 7. And, and that's Paul writes Romans 7 in response to, oh, let grace abound. You know, it's, does that mean sin should abound? No. And it doesn't work that way. If, if your heart gets filled more and more with the immensity of God's love for you, I believe then that becomes a, uh, a vehicle. I believe it enlarges our capacity to be inhabited by the Holy Spirit and, and moved by the Holy Spirit toward obedience. That's really good. I, I, think, um, I think another, another way to summarize some of that, Mike, that you just said, that I was thinking as you're talking is that um, probably for a good, a good habit or a bad habit or something that we would call a sinful habit. I don't think that any of those things really exist in a vacuum in us. I think it's a, it really is like a whole picture of ourselves and who we are, where you, where the, the, the person asking the question talked about in the moment. Yeah. Um, it, it's again, not as an expert here either, believe me, but it feels like a lot of the habits that we have are a lot bigger than the moment that we're choosing to do or not do the thing that the habit is. Mm -hmm. There there are so many uh, parts of other actions that we're taking, things that we believe and are telling ourselves about who we are, mm -hmm. the, the, the positive things that we are doing to walk with the Spirit that lead us up to those moments that are mm. probably 98% of the picture of, of how we deal with the moment itself. So... That's good, Harrison, because if we're too anxious about that one moment, um, that's when we mess up anything in life. And But when we have relaxed into the, the, the wide spaces of God's grace to us through Jesus, and therefore that we are always loved by Him, then, then we can relax into the longer-term nature of the, of the battle, of the journey, of the upward call of God in Christ. Then let's let's end with this. This is a last quick question here, and we'll we'll sign off for today. Um, as far as we know, it seems pretty clear, looking throughout the history of humans in the church, that 
we're not ever going to be free all the way of having desire to Mm -hmm. sin. Mm -hmm. How can we keep our heads up (laughs) knowing that that's the case? What, what's the promise and the hope that we have when we're feeling down and looking and going, man, can I never ever be all the way? Like Mm. not having to worry about (laughs) this, you know? Well, you, you said that this would be a last quick question, so you must have a quick answer in mind here. So. Well, let me go. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I do. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think the, the shortest answer is, is, that, is that acknowledgement of exactly what you're saying in the question is the truth. We, we, we have to set our expectations the right way, knowing that this is a climb yeah. and knowing that that we we want to move on this upward trajectory but uh, until until we are called called home to to be in the full presence of who God is just because of the way that we are created that this is this is the this is the great story that we're yeah. living out yeah. and any story any story you're you're living in conflict the whole time there's never been a great story where the character woke up one morning and everything was perfect and yeah. they lived happily ever after. So yeah. the, this, this is, this is from now until the moment that we die. This is our God story. And it, that's right, Harrison. And uh, I think just by asking, posing the question the way this person did, they're dealing with it in a healthy way. And, and I, I would, I think the only thing I would add is um, to stop and grieve that from time to time. Losses don't have power to wreck our life if we grieve them well. If we fail to grieve and we move on too fast, then that's when a loss is going to hamstring us. And this is a loss. It's a loss that we all experience, that, that we will never be the perfect image or aspiration that we have for ourselves. We won't in this life. Grieve that. And then reset your sights on, eh, yeah, but you know what? But God loves you so much. And he gives you grace, overwhelming grace, all day, every day, through the work of Jesus, through the, the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. And so, even with my shadow and light self, and if God accepts me with my shadow self and my light self, I will love myself also and walk on. Maybe that's that's pretty good. What I have to say. I I, I like that. Um well, it's been uh it's been good getting to sit down and and interact with um with some of what you guys are are hearing as you've been listening to the sermons mm-hmm. on Sundays and we ask for you to for sure keep these coming and uh Mike, as you mentioned, uh, some bike riders sitting outside. Just remind me sometime offline to tell you the story about the time when I was a teenager and almost got beat up by a bike rider on a major highway. So, we'll just okay, <laughs> I look forward to hearing that. You wouldn't think it's possible because uh, okay. I was in a car and he was on a bike, but I'll leave the imagination. To, uh, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, <laughs> great. Yep. Well, hey, this Sunday uh, the sermon will be on joy. Um, I'm really already enjoying having my heart down in that one. Uh, one of our next couple of podcasts, we, we're going to turn our focus to uh, a current event that's concerning our nation, and we'll, we'll 
to be back with you. We appreciate spending the time here with you. Uh, please, again, understand um, it's, it's a joy to talk over questions about the spiritual life and spiritual growth. And, and uh, we're exploring it just like you are. Yep. Thanks for listening and walking alongside us. We will be back with y'all next week. Have a good one.